Hello guys, you're listening to the Not The Top 20 betting show with Ali Maxwell and George Ellick. George, how are you doing? This is a time of year where things can get pretty lively. People can get tired, burning the candle at, at both ends. You doing all right as we head into the, the, the really the business end, I suppose? Yeah, I feel good. I feel like this time normally, um, towards the end of the year, I'm suffering from a bit of burnout. But uh, I think working on Friday evenings with our friends at Sky Sports has uh, curtailed some of the usual festivities. Would you um, say increased broadcasting opportunities have led to decreased Christmas drink consumption? I would say so, yes. Nice. Okay. Um, for example, I have a kind of university-based reunion this evening for which normally I'd be staying, I'd be going there as early as possible and leaving as late as possible. Today I'll probably be arriving at about 6.30 and uh, heading home to have a bit of dinner back at the flat. So I That's guess, growth. I guess that tells you a lot. That's growth. Yeah. That's growth. And it's been wonderful to grow with you throughout the <laughs> lifespan of Not The Top Coming 20 Coming from the podcast. person who told me a couple of days ago that they felt like they were their blood was, was running lager. Oh, God. So. You really... You ended the Monday pod by telling some secrets. You started this pod by... <laughs> By putting words in my mouth. Let's get on with the betting show. Guys, putting your own words in your mouth. This is um, a show for over 18s only. The subject being betting. Uh, We would ask that anyone listening be gamble aware and to understand the risks behind gambling. We just ask everyone listening to never bet more than you can afford to lose. Uh, From our perspective, last week went quite well, actually. George, especially with some eye catching winners. Your Millwall nap. At 11 to 5, one of the longest naps winners we've had. And uh, also Sheffield Wednesday at 2 to 1 at Forest. That one was done by half time, or probably half an hour in, in fact, thanks to Jordan Rhodes. So um, I was proud of a Bristol Rovers shout away at Portman Road. Slightly bottled it, not picking them straight up and going double chance for the second week in a row, having done so with Bristol City at Fulham as well. But... To be fair, both of those quite narrow wins, which could easily have been draws. Uh, I can only apologise for my crew nap, which was poor. Uh, your hull pick didn't get up, nor did my Coventry bet. But we go again. Uh, I'm feeling good about this. You said you looked through the weekend slate, as you always do. That There weren't tons of punts flying out at you, but the ones you found, you absolutely love. I'm quoting you. Yeah, who's putting words in whose mouth now? Um yeah, my nap is at Fulham, who hosts Leeds, and regular listeners to the pod will be shocked to hear that I am picking Leeds. Um, yeah, I think they're a big price here. They are 21 to 20, so odds against, and I guess people who, who maybe don't follow the championship so closely might think that looks eye-wateringly short um, for a team at Craven Cottage, but I am just not sold on Fulham at all, and it's getting worse. Um, there was signs at the beginning of the season that Scott Parker was doing something quite exciting with this team. Um, the signings of Knockart and Caviero looked impressive. Um, Mitrovic has continued his, his goal-scoring form. But generally, they're just not performing any better, really, than a mid-table team, or a higher mid-table team, maybe we should say. And they come here on the back of three consecutive defeats. They were well-beaten 1-0 at Brentford last time out. Um, obviously they lost that home game to Bristol City and they also went down to a Preston side who were very much out of form Uh, and I've said it so many times that with Leeds under Marcelo Bielsa are a side that I basically fancy to dominate um, pretty much any game they play in Uh, I was going to suggest you would probably punt on them at odds against against any team in the championship well I remember when when you and I went to Ellen Road uh, a few months ago they were 10 to 11 
uh, to beat West Brom. And I was all over that. They won the game 1-0. It's the only game that West Brom have, have lost this season. And even though West Brom did cause them problems in the second half, they were good value for their victory there. Um, despite the fact that on paper, the personnel of the Fulham team is probably better than Leeds' team. There's no doubt in my mind about the, the dominance that Leeds have over Fulham. Um, and the crux of that comes down to, to, the, to the, man, the men in the dugout. Marcelo Bielsa is one of the greatest tacticians in world football. Scott Parker is a novice manager who's struggling to really get a tune out of a talented set of players. Um, and this is, I think, an incorrect price because a fair bit of the odds um, that we're seeing is, is down to Fulham's reputation as a team because of the talent they have at their disposal rather than um, kind of the raw data and what we're seeing on the pitch itself. Um, and helped by the fact that last time out Leeds were dominant at home against Cardiff, took a 3-0 lead and in the way that only Leeds seem able to do uh, were, came unstuck due to a couple of pieces of just ridiculous quality from Lee Tomlin. Um, if that game is played 100 times, Leeds will win it. 99% of the time um, it was a freak and does nothing to put me off whatsoever here if anything it's unlikely that they're going to be able to um, put in such a good performance again and not win the game uh, for Fulham it just strikes me as, as basically the worst team they could possibly play because they're not going to be allowed to dictate the, dictate the tempo as they like to uh, Mitrovic who is who they are so reliant upon for goals is not going to be able to to get um, easy, an easy time in the opposition box. I guess the only concern would be the height um, advantage he will uh, enjoy over the, the lead centre-backs, especially if it is Berardi and White. Um, but at the same time, I'm just not particularly concerned about that because I don't think Fulham are going to get many opportunities to, to, give him, to give him chances, given the way that Leeds control the game, even in their own third. Um, so at 21 to 20, I think that this is, uh, yeah, priced up... Um, just it doesn't give Leeds enough I think rather than not giving Leeds enough respect it's giving Fulham too much respect here and um, if you know Leeds will bring a massive massive following to the game and, and if they get ahead I think it'll be very very hard for Fulham to get themselves back into the game One more thing to add from my perspective just an extra bit of well I suppose it's a stat of, of some sort this is the last of the top eight that Fulham will play so far this season not surprising as this will be their 23rd game uh, they've played West Brom they drew they've lost to Preston Brentford Bristol City and Nottingham Forest uh, and they drew with Sheffield Wednesday so four defeats and two draws against the current top eight doesn't bode too well for Scott Parker and Fulham uh, I'm getting a little bit greedy this Christmas on this betting show because uh, I'm sort of I'm, I'm doing the slightly dangerous thing of of Picking some selections and then boosting the price uh, by hook or by crook. We'll start with my nap, which is Exeter, who I think will beat Walsall at home this weekend. And I think the game will also see under 3.5 goals scored if you put those together. Uh, from what I can see, best price is around 2.5. So uh, Exeter are on a very good run of form. Three wins in a row in the league. Uh, the result before that was a nil-all draw at, at home to Cheltenham Town. I think... While we've also seen Swindon start to pull clear at the top of the division, uh, Exeter currently in second. They are a couple of points ahead of a very swollen chasing pack and a very dense chasing pack. Uh, and I think what we're seeing is that this Exeter team under Matt Taylor, a manager that we're very impressed with, uh, have a few qualities to like while not being the, the complete team, while potentially not being quite as good as some of the challengers last season, could still be good enough to... to potentially challenge Swindon for the title to come second or third 
Uh, I do think they're looking quite good for that. Their defence is one of the best and most consistent uh, at this level, uh, along with Swindon and Cheltenham uh, and Cambridge, actually, who've got very good defensive numbers as well. Um, they manage games very well. It was notable earlier in the season where there were a lot of tight games, not much in it that they were coming out on top of. Um, they've had a few where they've really chucked it in this season. 4-0 defeat to Cambridge, losing 3-1 to Grimsby and Scunthorpe and 2-0 away to Bradford. But in general, they've been a bit more consistent. They manage games better than the opposition. They've based it on a good defensive record. And in, in Bowman up front, they've got a man who is uh, consistently getting on the end of, of good chances. Their delivery from wide positions is fantastic. Randall Williams and Jack Sparks especially. Uh, and Bowman is very good in the air. He's not necessarily the prolific striker that you might see uh, up the road at Swindon, uh, but he is a very good striker at League Two level and he's proving himself this season to be a, a, a good man to lead the line for this Exeter team. Um, Williams is the star, I would say, along with Nicky Law, who was brilliant at the start of the season. But Williams, <clears throat> top assist maker in League Two. Um, one of the things here is that Walsall, while they've made some improvements in recent weeks, they lost six in a row. Um, and thankfully, since the, since the end of that run, two wins and two draws has eased the pressure somewhat on Daryl Clark. But the fact is they've scored only 16 goals, um, which is 0.76 per game. Uh, the good news being that they are a decent defensive team. They haven't conceded very many either, just 27 at 1.29 per game. Um, away from home, as at home, the goal expectancy in their games is very low. They've averaged 2.1 goals per game. Uh 80% of their away games have been under 3.5. Uh, and for Exeter, they have only conceded eight home home goals. So, you know, whether it's Exeter to nil, 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, we've got on side here. Whether it's a, a tighter one than that, a 2-1, I wouldn't be surprised. But I think Exeter have the quality to edge this one. I don't imagine Walsall will be particularly ambitious uh, and will probably be playing for, for a 0-0 or playing to, to nick a 1-0. So Exeter, to continue their good form and beat uh, Walsall with under 3.5 goals at, at 2.5 at 6-4 to four. Uh, that's where my nap's going this week next up for you MK Dons to beat Gillingham at 7-2 to two. Um, yeah it's, it's it's all about MK Dons really um, I saw them on Saturday and just was incredibly impressed um, they ended a, a long winless run uh, by beating Oxford and um, I think whilst most Oxford fans left feeling like Oxford didn't do themselves justice. I just thought MK Dons were, were really, really good. Um, obvious signs that Russell Martin has um, improved them or at least shored up the defence massively since Paul Tisdale left. And it's important, I guess, to cast your mind back to the beginning of the season when MK Dons are expected, probably at worst, to be a mid-table team after their promotion. So it shouldn't be a massive surprise to see them bouncing back somewhat. Some of us had very high hopes for them. Some, some of us did. <laughs> some um, more than others. Yeah. And... I guess here you're just I'm you've just got to take a chance that um the Russell Martin revolution is the real deal. Um they were so impressive in, in restricting Oxford's chances. That was the amazing thing. Um with so many ball players on the pitch, um the likes of Cameron Brannigan, Tariq Fossu, they just shut down the space so so quickly. Um let's say clever use of uh, of fouls um <laughs> play, played into that. But I, I have no problem with that at all. You know, you play the game. If you're happy to give away free kicks forty yards out, just Pep Guardiola and Russell Martin. Yeah. King's king purveyors of tactical foul. Um, and you know, it's no surprise to see, I think if you have a look at MK Donza's recent games, um there have been quite a few red cards in them um for both sides, which I think given their um approach is isn't necessarily that surprising. 
Um, just having a look now. Uh, so none of the last two prior to that, there were five red cards in the four games prior to that. So, um, But I digress slightly. Um, Joe Mason was fantastic for, for MK Dons as well. He scored the goal, but was the, the kind of the biggest thorn in Oxford's side for the whole game. Um, and as I mentioned on the Mud Monday podcast, the kind of tactical switch to play two up top, um, kind of as wide forwards in Mason and Agard with uh, Hiram Botang playing in behind um, sometimes as the target man, sometimes as the attacking midfielder out of possession, just flummoxed Oxford who didn't really have an answer for it. Uh, I think if they can put in a similar performance here, they're going to be very, very hard to beat. And the, the price of 7-2 to two suggests that they are still the atrocious side of, of kind of three or four weeks ago. And it would make sense for Martin to get a tune out of them, given that he's had you know a couple of weeks with the sides around some you know cup games uh, and the like. He's had a fair bit of time on the training ground with them to, to imp- implement his new methods. Uh, Gillingham have certainly been on a much better run recently and there's not a great deal to, to not like about them. Home form, maybe not as good as you'd think. Uh, if you're looking at the last four games, they include two defeats to Peterborough and Rotherham uh, and they've scraped through against Lincoln and Sunderland, winning both 1-0. So not exerting massive dominance at home. Um, I think they're a, a solid mid-table side, but Oxford are better than that and MK Dons did a job with them on Saturday. So if they can repeat that, I think 7-2 is a massive price. My next one is not a million miles away from my nap. <clears throat> that was Exeter and under 3.5 goals. This is Cambridge to beat Leighton Orient at uh, home this weekend. Also pairing it up with the under 3.5 goals to boost the price up to just under 2 to 1. 2.9 as we record on Thursday morning. The best price you'll get from this. Uh, Leighton Orient are in a, a tough spell at the moment. It's fair to say. Uh, no, make no bones about it. Uh, the the appointment of Carl Fletcher did not go to plan. Uh, they're back where they started in the sense that Ross Embleton is still manning the fort uh, in interim charge and the results have been difficult in the last seven games. They've lost four. Uh, they've drawn three. Uh, a nil-nil home draw to Bradford last weekend will have gone down quite well, but Generally, they are sliding down the table. They've got 22 points from their 20 games and just three points in their last seven. Uh, A little bit similar to Exeter and Walsall. I do think there's quite a big gap between these two teams. Cambridge, as regular listeners to the betting show will know, are somewhat of the League Two data darlings. Uh, Still at the top of Fox Punter's XG ratio uh, league table for League Two uh, this season, that is based on, certainly in terms of data at least, a defence that restricts the opposition very, very consistently. Just 0.89 XG against per game this season is the best record in League Two. There are a couple of good defences in League Two. So Cambridge uh, with seven clean sheets still lagging behind Cheltenham, Exeter, Forest Green, Newport, Northampton, Plymouth and Swindon in terms of clean sheets, but I make them a little bit unlucky uh, to have conceded the amount of goals they have this season. And as you all know, we think when there's a bit of a discrepancy with the data um, that the results will start to move towards that. So uh, they're also on, on better form. You know, early in the season, we mentioned them quite a lot because we were you know, somewhat, somewhat blinded by the data and they never quite put anything together consistently. Um, but... They beat Plymouth uh, on the 7th of December. They got away draws at Carlisle and Cheltenham. I think there's signs that they're starting to turn things around. The concern with, with, with Cambridge is 
really a lack of belief that they've got enough goals in their side. Clearly, defensively, they're very good. In midfield, they've got some lovely players, Carruthers and Maris and Jack Rolls. They've also got a, a decent steal in there, Lewis uh, in particular. But going forward in the final third, there is concerns, certainly from my perspective, about Sam Smith being the, the right goalsman to get them towards the playoffs and beyond. But compared to an Orient team that I think are in a, in a tough spot and finding it very, very difficult... Um, I think Cambridge will have enough to win this game at home fairly comfortably, but they're not a team that racks up the goals. Uh, I don't see this one going over 3.5. I don't see Cambridge scoring four or five. Uh, I don't see Orient potentially scoring at all. So Cambridge in under 3.5 wouldn't put you off Cambridge to nil. Uh, That's my next best. Last but not least in this category, George. Yeah, Coventry to beat Lincoln at home uh, at even money. Um, yeah, in a kind of cruel twist of fate, I, I'm not really buying the the Lincoln um, renaissance yet under Michael Appleton. Uh, I think it it will come. Uh, I think that January is going to be very important for him to bring in the players that suit his system. Uh, but back to back wins and really important wins. It's important to say because um, they were sliding quite alarmingly down towards the um, the smaller than usual drop zone. Um, but. The 2-0 win at Burton was obviously um, a massive turning point for them um, and a, a very, very big result. Um, I think on the balance of play, it was fairly marginal victory, um, although it's important to note that the Lincoln did hit the woodwork twice, but I mean, Burton had their fair share of chances to, to get back into the game before Tyler Walker added the second in, in injury time. Um, the Tranmere game, though, was the, was the really alarming one uh, in, a, in a match where you'd really expect them to be winning, uh, Tranmere struggling, and then added to that, Corey Taylor getting sent off after 40 minutes um, for kicking the ball away for a second yellow. Uh, the absolute numpty. Um, but they toiled Lincoln. Um, they their first shot on target in the game, despite being against 11. Uh, sorry, despite being against 10 men um, for the next 35 minutes, wasn't until the 77th when Johnny Kinde scored. They didn't have another one in the game either. Um, as I say, I just I just feel like the when the personnel changes, we've seen uh, Lincoln and made a signing this week a young winger from, from Ireland um, who looks very much down the usual Michael Appleton style of footballer, you know, a young attacking talent um, with, with a really good pedigree. Um, I think we're going to see the way that Lincoln approach games change. But, but looking at their recent fixtures as well, they won their last two. The, the two before that were both defeats where they failed to score. Um, Coventry's home form is just so good. They've, you know, they've played 11 games at St Andrews. They've won seven of them. They've lost just one and uh, only conceded eight goals in those 11 games. And I just think it's going to be a tall order here for Lincoln to uh, to breach Coventry. Um, I think they'll probably take a point before the game even starts. And, and this is a Coventry team I've got a lot of time for. Um, so, yeah, Lincoln, I, I guess the market's kind of taken a bit of respect for them, given um, those those two victories that have come. But but I'm not necessarily sure that we're going to see them flying up the table yet. Um, so Coventry at even money and my third selection. Nice. I'm going big-ish for my last selection. Southend to beat Bolton this weekend. Massive game down at the bottom of League One. Everyone should be keeping a pretty close eye on this one because you have got a Southend team who have won just the one game this season, at seven points from 21 games, conceding 59 goals in those games. Uh, they have 0.33 points per game. Bolton are below them in the table, five points below on two points but they've actually won 14 points from their 17 games. So they've played four games fewer 
than Southend, uh, which is very League One 2019-2020. They've picked up 0.82 points per game. <clears throat> so they've been a better side than Southend uh, so far this season, but of course have struggled in their own way. Bolton in at the end of October, beginning of November, rattled off three straight wins, which was incredibly exciting uh, for their fans who've been through the ringer in the last few years, beating Bristol Rovers away and then Fleetwood and MK Dons at home. Since then, a disappointing red card at Accrington led to a 7-1 collapse. A two-all draw at home to Wimbledon, which they got a 90th-minute equaliser, and then a fairly meek turnover, 1-0 only uh, at Peterborough, but didn't offer too much in that game. I think that there are signs of improvement in Sol Campbell's South End. I know that those who have watched them closely over the last few weeks, even those who are not biased, have been quite impressed with the improvements shown. This is not to say that they are a team either of us expects to start flying up the table. Uh, it seems pretty clear to me that they will be in League Two next year, but... <clears throat> the way in which they appear to have bought into, at the very least, Sol Campbell's plans for them in terms of how they're going to play uh, and just slightly, well, conceding slightly fewer goals, but still struggling in that department and scoring a couple over the last few games as well, trying to get the most out of Cox, trying to get the most out of uh, Hopper, etc. and Humphreys as well. I just don't think that Bolton are good enough to be priced up the the way that they are. Um I think that there's two quite different styles at play here and it might be the case that Daryl Murphy will be too much for the South End defence to handle. They've been so, so poor this season. But I do think that actually in terms of in terms of playing, in terms of in possession, I think South End could be the better side here. I think that there's not a huge amount between these two teams. So to back South End at three to one, while I completely understand that it sounds quite crazy for a team that have only won one game this season. Um, that's where I'm at at the moment with these two teams. So I thought I'd make the most of, of this South End price because I think going forward, we will see them pick up a few more wins, if not start some crazy run. So South End 3-1 to one to win uh, at Bolton this weekend, which leaves us with some bonuses. Uh, this would be quite welcome if we could pick up a couple of these to Christmas bonus. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I, I need to do some Christmas shopping in the next few days and this would be a nice, a nice boost to that kitty. Um, yeah, Bristol Rovers and BTTS is my bonus selection. Uh, I've spoken this week about how I, I'm not particularly concerned for Bristol Rovers um, and Graham Coughlin leaving. I don't, haven't seen much to suggest that, except for their, <laughs> except for their rise up the table, um, I'm not convinced that he is necessarily the driving force behind that. I think the recruitment in the summer was very decent. I think Johnson Clark Harris has proven himself as a very good goal scorer at this level and. In the same way that Luton last season maintained a, a decent level of form, I, I don't think that Coughlin is some League One genius whose departure is going to see everything fall apart there. Um, he, As I said, he banged on about the character of the squad. Well, that character uh, isn't going anywhere and the squad is remaining the same, at least for the time being. We'll see what happens in January. Um, Peterborough, of course, are having a very good season, but something of a surprise to see just how poor their away form is. Um, they've won just one of their last seven on the road. Uh, they haven't kept a clean sheet in that time. Um, they have dropped points against Tranmere, against uh, Shrewsbury. Um, they've conceded a few goals in, in some of those, two at Pompey last time on the road, four at Blackpool in that 4-3 defeat, three at Wickham in the 3 all draw, two at Tranmere. So I think, I mean, we know how Peterborough like to play football. 
it's all very uh, all guns blazing, um, gung ho approach. And given the array of attacking talent they've got, um, you know, there's no harm in that. They've, they're also pretty prolific on the road. I, I mentioned how many they've conceded in those games. They conceded. They scored three against Wickham. They scored three against Blackpool. They scored two against Pompey. So you can see they're hardly shot shy. Um, but I think Bristol Rovers are certainly capable and good enough to um, to stand up to the tests, as have other teams they've played against. And um, we've seen at times this season, Bristol Rovers are a side who at home especially like it when teams come at them and challenge them um, and enable them to play slightly on the break as well. Um, had a bit of a scare last time when they were 2-0 down against Southend at halftime, but came back to win that match 4-2. And they've only lost one of their last, um, I think, eight or nine games at home. And that was that uh, disappointing for them loss um, at home to Bolton. Um, but... Yeah, I just think that Bristol Rovers are being a bit harshly done by here against a team who just can't stop conceding goals on the road. So at 9-2, to two, Bristol Rovers and BTTS is my bonus, Christmas bonus. I've got a double bonus of sorts because I'm committed to the centre-back first goal scorer bit pick. But at this stage, I'm also at the very least open to looking for some other options. I will be backing Ben Wilmot to score the first goal for Swansea against Luton. Uh, this weekend at Kenilworth Road. Uh, what I would say to anyone who's interested in these in these sorts of bets, who is hoping to get one up uh, this weekend, if you head to Twitter, in fact, anyone who's just interested in set pieces and how good or bad your team have been at scoring from or conceding from set plays this season, if you go to Stuart Reed on Twitter, his uh, his handle is from the wing. With, with underscores between the words. Uh, he is a set-piece consultant and analyst. He has handily gone through every set-piece in the EFL this season, has got the goals for and against for all three leagues. So I think it's something that we talk about a fair bit, <clears throat> especially when we're at games. The fact that every set of fans tend to think that they are rubbish at set-pieces, that their set-piece takers are useless at delivering the ball. Uh, and that they never score from them, and that they concede from too many. Um, but it might not be true. You might be excellent at set pieces, your team, or, or you might be rubbish. So go and check out Stuart Reed's. It, it might give you some idea of, of who you should be backing to score from set pieces and who you should be backing against. That sort of led me to Swansea, who I think under the radar have been very, very good. They've got the best goal difference specifically from set plays in the championship this season and I think Ben Wilmot although he doesn't stand out amongst the uh, some of the other taller centre-backs in the division he has shown himself to be a goal threat and I think he's probably their number one target from these Luton side who are leaky at best but I'm also when I went down the slate in preparation of this podcast uh, a lot of games I just thought were a quite interesting and be very even and so I think there's going to be draws galore this week. A lot of tired legs out there. A couple of Christmas parties. I've seen pictures on Instagram of various teams out and about in terrible fancy dress. Uh, so I'm not going to go into detail on these games, which some would call lazy. But here are some of the games I think will be a draw. And I've got a draw treble after this. So I reckon West Brom Brentford might be the game I'm most excited about in the EFL this weekend. I think that'll be a draw. I think Reading Derby will be a draw. Blackpool, Shrewsbury and Bristol Rovers, Peterborough. Colchester, Carlisle, with Colchester a bit tired after Old Trafford on Wednesday night. And Mansfield, Northampton, but the ones I feel most strongly about for my treble. Uh, Blackpool, Shrewsbury, Mansfield, Northampton and Bristol Rovers, Peterborough. They are my draws this weekend for a draw treble. 
you can get around well just over 40 to 1 with marathon make sure you're using odds checker to get best price for everything uh, if you haven't got the app on your phone you can head to our twitter page we are still writing exclusive selections for all of these sky efl games and one bonus 3 p.m kickoff bet uh, if you head to the odds checker app uh, make sure you use our download link, which you can find on our Twitter feed. Uh, for this one, this draw treble, yeah, around 40 to 1. Uh, most firms around 38, 37. So uh, hopefully that could be quite a, a tasty Christmas bonus. George, lovely to have another chat with you ahead of such an exciting Christmas slate of EFL football. I hope you have a, a wonderful weekend. We're on Sky on Friday night again, five in a row. Tomorrow evening, I know. I'm excited about it though. We're going <clears> to <throat> be looking forward this time. We've seen a lot of uh, stuff talking about the team of the years and decades and, and whatnot, but we're going to be looking forward into the new decade and into the next year and talking about what we might be seeing. There you go. Make sure you're in on Friday night, maybe after a heavy week of Christmas partying, make sure you are in front of Sky for a massive game at the bottom of the championship. It's Middlesbrough and Stoke. Uh, and then after that, a little bit of NTT 20, uh, not just in your ears, but in front of your eyes as well. We'll be on from about 10.15 on Sky Football. So we'll see you then. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with some awards, some mid-season awards. They will form the podcast on Monday. We're really looking forward to that one. Hope that you will enjoy that. So make sure you're subscribed to Not The Top 20 Pod. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at NTT20Pod, on Instagram as well. We love hearing from you, for the most part, on both of those platforms. Uh, and we wish you a lovely weekend. We'll be talking again once more before Christmas. And we look forward to that.